0: Hi and welcome to So What's Up. In this episode we're going to be talking about the importance of aligning your sales and marketing strategy. Hi, so I'm with James today and we're going to be chatting all things sales and marketing and the importance of making sure that these two business systems are streamlined.
1: Yeah, uh, it's an interesting topic really because it could be, it's a pretty long one really. I mean a lot of clients don't think about the sales targets when they come up with a marketing strategy um and they operate very much in two independent silos in a business where they think they need to do some marketing activity but they don't know why but they've also got sales goals that they don't share with the marketing team and there's a lot of disconnect between those two things
0: yeah definitely i think um so personally i've done both roles in the past um, i'm now a marketing manager and i also do some of our sales aspects but in the past um My role was pure sales, and I've also had just a pure marketing role. And I think you've been relatively similar as well, haven't you, James? Where you've had to like front up both of them. And from our experience, it's not worked when the two teams have not worked together.
1: No, that's right. And I think even when you've got a client who has an external agency, quite often they don't share their marketing, their sales goals with that marketing agency. Yeah. So, yeah, it's almost like it's a um, protected thing but they do not want to discuss it yeah but, definitely. Some, but I mean, someone somewhere has written down Look, this year we want to do x amount of money next year we want to do this amount of money how we're going to get there but quite a lot of the time they just maybe go oh well we need to do some marketing that might get us there but there's no real alignment with that
0: yeah definitely and i've hmm. definitely faced it in the past where i've had clients come to me like chelsea we want to do some marketing and i'm like okay so what are your business goals and it's like well we just want to um we want a thousand followers on LinkedIn, or um, I want my um, I want my Instagram page to um, I don't know have like a hundred p- likes per post, and it's like okay, um, that's great metrics, like that's brand awareness. At least I'm getting something. But what is the point of this? Do, do people buy from you in this respect? Mm. Like, why do you want this?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of um, activity for activity's sake. Yeah, what I would say, and I think what we what we tend to find is like you say they might have some kpi metrics and then you know you can go well, well done you've you've beaten your target of followers that's amazing um and you know from, from in one point of view it's like okay so activity has worked it's it's grown something yeah um but it still doesn't come back to what's the point of it from a, a sales point of view
0: yeah, definitely, and no, I think
1: yeah, no one actually knows why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think from like a commercially viable business, um, I think we we're not going to be shocking anyone here, are we, James? No. Where we say that um, basically the first thing that gets cut really in most businesses when times go bad is marketing.
1: Oh, completely. I mean, the, the thing that feeds the sales is the thing that gets cut, which is always the odd thing about marketing budgets. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone sees them. It, they don't see them as a, a revenue maker on the whole. They see them as a cost. But I think that's really just down to a lack of tying KPIs to sales goals and demonstrating where the difference makes. So, like, for example, if you had a business that ran a particular marketing campaign and it cost them £3,000 uh, and then they just sort of sent out, let's say it was a mail shop like old-fashioned, proper direct mail shop. Yeah. Um, they'd, they'd spend three grand on it, and then they got a bit of business back. They probably wouldn't feed that back to the sales team, or the sales team wouldn't feed it back to the marketing team. So you, can t- you couldn't say, that we won that client from that work. Yeah. And that client has then been worth this amount of money over the years. So a good example, actually, is when I first started this business, the f- one of the first things I did was I sent out 2,000 letters to target companies, of which... A few of them came back to me. Now, a few of them sat on them for probably eight to 12 months, then came back to me. But I know from a couple of them, we'd made something like one to 2,000 pounds a month off a couple of those clients for the next five to seven years, Yeah. which in reality, tying that back essentially um, meant that that was a a marketing activity that generated sales. So in reality, I should have done that again. (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it won't pay for itself if you think yeah. about it. But and this is the thing: so a lot of activities that people do, they don't, um, they just don't, they don't sort of get the learnings from it, and they don't feed that then through to the sales team, so that the sales team understand where their business comes from. Yeah, I used to be a marketing manager in house at a company, and I used to always have this challenge, which is around: yeah, we're doing these marketing things to feed the sales team, but it were always seen as two separate things. Like they knew marketing was happening, but they didn't know why marketing was happening. Um, and then the sales team very much kind of like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we process the orders, so we make the money. Well, then it's like, well, how do you get the orders? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, definitely. It's difficult.
0: And I think um, it's always different, when, difficult when you've got those two different silos. But I think bringing it back, um, I guess the difference between B2C e-commerce and B2B lead generation really is um, it's just night and day because we've got clients that we do both for. So um, it's super easy with your B2B um, B two C e commerce, even B two B e commerce, where obviously they're ordering directly through the website, we can pull up reports where it's like through your SEO, we've been able to generate this much through that mail shot that we sent. We've created yeah. you seven thousand pounds in revenue. This one social campaign was twelve k in revenue. Well, we
1: had it recently, didn't we? we? We put out a blog post for a client who then converted work from uh, was it Oxford University? Or yeah, something
0: Oxford that? University, but. The best part of that is we were working directly with the director on that one that also processes those. So she knows, and we also have that dialogue with her, that we can, um, whatever we've done, and she asks the question to the prospect as well, where did you come from? And she followed that streamline, and which is, it's just ideal for a client to actually be that commercially savvy and to know to do that on a B2B lead generation case.
1: No, you're right. But I suspect a lot of the problems with that Are that the people that take the orders or take deal with the inquiries never ask where it came from? Yeah. So for arguments' sake, so like the case you mentioned, the director deals with all the inbound inquiries and we'll know where that have come from because they're just more on it. Whereas like in in some businesses, you might have like a junior salesperson just picking up the phone and going, yeah, Yeah. how can I help you? They'll go and talk about the order they want, but nobody ever go, oh, actually, where do you hear about us? So like when we get inbound leads, we've got a number of lead sources that we know work well for us and we always try and pin down where do the customer find out about us from? Because it then proves that that marketing activity works in terms of sales generation. But a lot of clients miss that really important middle step. Um and you used to get this much more prevalently in direct mail again because you'd have like a, a direct mail campaign, you put a phone you'd put your general business phone number out. Yeah. And then they'd phone it up, no one would ever ask. And if they did ask, they'd go, Oh, I just I saw it somewhere. Yeah. And again, then you can't prove the ROI on that marketing then because nobody knew it came from that marketing it could have come from the yellow pages back in the day you know nobody really knew they were just putting stuff out there and hoping somebody saw them and this is this is where that sort of disconnect between the sales and marketing targets really needs to be overcome to make sure that the marketing doesn't appear to be a sort of forgotten about halfway house of just someone's doing something but we'll drop it if we lose if we're not making any money.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think what we're starting to see now in bigger companies specifically is um, they're kind of bringing marketing, customer service and sales all under the same umbrella really, having like either a commercial director or like a um, a chief revenue officer, that sort of thing. And I think that model particularly works really, really well.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you yeah, know, that whole combination almost led by marketing um, to create you know, and obviously it factors fixes, it fixes all the other parts of the business. So good customer service feeds into good marketing, which feeds into sales. Yeah. And it's a big circle. And it works with all businesses. But I think too many, it's probably more the established businesses that have been there a while. They, they struggle to come out of the, the routine that people are in.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think what we've seen with a lot of the heritage brands really is um, they're very kind of like account management focused, very sales driven and um, they don't really understand what marketing is. They just think it's like a picture on Instagram or um, something to do with um, sending out an email maybe once a quarter. And um, it's a lot of the work that we have to do with clients like that is to actually re-educate them because, well not even re-educate them, just to educate them because they've never seen what marketing can do. I've found this usually with people that come from a finance background or a sales background. They don't know what marketing can actually do for them. No,
1: but that's just because no one's explained it. No, No one's explained that that piece of business that you've invoiced originated in this marketing campaign. Yeah. And, and that, that's literally all it is. So, yeah, you know, you, you somebody in the business needs to say, right, have an awareness of what is going out. And it could be a massive mix of marketing things. It could be social media. It could be a direct campaign you're doing. It could be some telemarketing. It could be email marketing, whatever. You need a way to measure where that customer was acquired from. Yeah. So that you can go, actually, marketing has a value in this business because we wouldn't yeah. have had that client if we hadn't done that marketing activity.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think um, from businesses that I've seen in the past and worked very closely with Um one of them that I've seen they had a head of business that came from a marketing background and um, the business did really really well it made a lot of sales and um, money wise it, it was great and even through like I guess brand disruptions and a few um, reputation issues because they had that marketing approach and they would always try and repair the repair the PR I guess they always did really well then when they changed business head and it came from someone from a finance point of view, the brand went to absolute shit because they were basically focused on the bottom line and they didn't really understand the importance of branding and that sentiment that actually you kind of need to have that good public sentiment that drives sales because if people don't think you care about them as a business, they're not going to want to buy from you.
1: No, exactly. And like you say, you do see this more commonly on heritage brands. Um, yeah. I think the more startup brands that are... Uh, potentially run by younger people, are more aware of the culture around um, customer service and feedback and all the things that come with social media, basically. Um, They're just more aware of it and the heritage brands are kind of more old fashioned in that we have a sales team and they take the orders and we have a marketing team and they do some marketing but we don't know why. And yeah and, you see that much more commonly.
0: And I think as well with that that just comes down to leadership styles as well and those kind of heritage brands are usually quite um hierarchical structures and um what the person at the top says goes. Whereas I think in younger companies what you're seeing is that flat agile structure where actually the person who heads up the business or or spearheads it as you like, they understand the importance of the feedback, like you were saying, because they've been a digital native themselves. They understand that feedback is literally everywhere. You can use social media and digital marketing as an incredible listening tool for just seeing, I guess, what's out there and what people are actually interested in so they can have that agility. And also I'd say as a leader, they're quite humble and they have the humility to listen. 100%
1: Uh, and this is the thing isn't it And I think yeah it's almost an arrogance or ego point about some of the older businesses that yeah we got here without needing to worry about that kind of thing but then you you suddenly find that something gives in the business and they go oh we need to catch up with that and then it's like a massive push then to sort of reinvigorate that marketing strategy and they hire people but they still don't know why they've done it uh, and it's not
0: streamlined at all it's literally no. just like they have the um, they have the marketing team and they think that the marketing team is going to solve all the problems but actually your warehouse can't fit your stock in yeah your back-end systems don't work your IT team and your IT equipment they're not up-to-date and modern so how do you expect these two three four people to be able to come in and just Change the whole infrastructure of your business. It's just not commercially viable.
1: No, exactly, because it takes a culture shift to do that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's taking it. It then requires them really to flip their thinking to make the marketing more important than the sales team. Yes, because the sales team fundamentally in most businesses are order takers, not salespeople. Yeah, so can you replace that with an automated function, probably most yeah. of the time but they but they they don't think you can but then um and that and that's where you get this massive disconnect, but it's just really difficult to to get these businesses to sort of see that until something really bad happens, then they see it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like you said, this one could go on for such a long time, and um, we're always happy to help with um, specific problems with um, aligning your sales and marketing, or just just educating people on the importance of marketing in general, because it's not actually as fluffy as people think it is.
1: No, definitely. But it's something that we, um, I say, we have lots of conversations about, and quite happy to talk to clients about, and trying to find ways to educate and um just just help them really work through that with the team members they've got it's uh, yes. actually really interesting i think we'll all be quite <laughs> happy to share knowledge with clients who want to come to us on that
0: yeah definitely but um if you have any questions around aligning yourselves and marketing um get in touch it's hello at dot